0: Of Revelation chapter 14, we're going to be reading Revelation 14 verse 20, and the wine press was trodden without the city, and blood came out of the wine press even unto the horse bridles, by the space of a thousand and six hundred furlongs. We've seen that the wine press identifies with the wrath of God. God actually. Um, makes that identification himself in verse 19 of Revelation 14 at the very end of the verse and cast it into the great winepress of the wrath of God so this winepress is a picture of God's wrath and the winepress is trodden without the city and that's what we want to look at in tonight's study We want to look at what it means to be trodden, first of all, and then why is it trodden without the city? Well, the idea of being trodden underfoot fits with the Bible's language of judgment that began on the churches. For instance, the same word, translated as trodden here, is found in Luke chapter 21. Luke 21, which is the parallel chapter to Matthew 24, um, says in verse 22, For these be the days of vengeance, that all things which are written may be fulfilled. But woe unto them that are with child, and to them that give suck in those days. For there shall be great distress in the land, and wrath upon this people. And they shall fall by the edge of the sword, And shall be led away captive into all nations, and Jerusalem shall be trodden down of the Gentiles, until the times of the Gentiles be fulfilled. And uh, Jerusalem is a figure God is using to represent the churches, the New Testament church, and He says that Jerusalem will be trodden down of the Gentiles, and. Keep in mind, the word translated Gentiles in both the Greek and the Hebrew can also rightly be translated as nations. And and so Jerusalem will be trodden down of the nations until the times of the Gentiles or nations is fulfilled. Now God speaks of a time in relationship to the Gentiles, treading underfoot Jerusalem or the holy city in Revelation chapter 11 and it says in Revelation 11 verse 2 but the court which is without the temple leave out and measure it not for it is given unto the Gentiles and the holy city shall they tread underfoot forty and two months and again the, the holy city is the same um, figure as Jerusalem. Jerusalem was the holy city. Jerusalem typifies the church. The holy city, likewise, typifies the church. And God says that the holy city will be tread underfoot. And this time he gives a time reference. Forty and two months. And the forty-two months represents the entire duration of the Great Tribulation period, which worked out to be an actual twenty-three years. But the church was given to the Gentiles. And in in both of these verses, Luke 21, 24, and here in Revelation 11, 2, the city itself is trodden down, and here said to be trodden under foot, and the foot would point to the will of the will of the nations the will of man as opposed to or compared to the will of god which is what the church is ought to be completely identified with and doing but instead the church will be trodden underfoot by the will of man by by uh, every wish or desire or want or Will of those unsaved individuals that come into the congregations, the emissaries of Satan, and they will develop their own doctrines out of their own minds, their own will, not the will of God, and this will serve to crush the life out of the church, to destroy the churches where they'll be trodden underfoot. And and Satan and his forces, the Gentiles or the nations, are the ones God uses to accomplish his purpose of bringing the spiritual destruction upon the churches and congregations of the world. But in our verse, in Revelation 14, verse 20, the treading is taking place without the city, not the city itself is being trodden underfoot. But those that are trodden underfoot were trodden in the winepress, by God's will, they're being trodden, it says, without the city. Now, uh, just one more place in the New Testament, in Revelation chapter 19. We've gone here several times because it, it uh, speaks of treading the winepress just as we're reading in Revelation 14. In Revelation 19, the Lord Jesus is uh, coming with his armies, this is Christ, and his saints, the whole company of the elect, that are coming against the world, the the kingdom of Satan, in the day of judgment. And it says in Revelation 19.15, And out of his mouth goeth a sharp sword, that with it he should smite the nations, and he shall rule them with a rod of iron, and he treadeth the winepress of the fierceness and wrath of Almighty God. Now see, this is the focus of God in the day of judgment. It is smiting the nations, the Gentiles, just as Satan and his forces his kingdom of babylon as he's typified as the evil king of babylon came against the church the gentiles now god is turning the tables when the the great tribulation period ends and he comes against the gentiles the holy city was given to the gentiles now christ is smiting the Gentiles, smiting the nations. It's just like the language we've seen God use concerning Babylon. God first turned over his people Judah to the Babylonians. Then he says at the end of 70 years he will punish the king of Babylon and that nation. And they are representative of all the nations, of all the unsaved people of the world. And it's tied together with Uh, this treading the winepress and again the winepress is called the fierceness and wrath of Almighty God now I just want to look at one place in the Old Testament in Jeremiah chapter 25 in Jeremiah 25 is a chapter um, where God lays out his plan to first give the cup of wrath to the people called by his name pointing to judgment beginning at the house of God the New Testament church and then the Lord lays out his plan to take the cup of wrath the identical cup and to give it to the nations of the world for them to drink after first his people have drank from it and, and that is picturing the judgment of God on the world, on all the unsaved people of the world. And so it says in Jeremiah 25, 29, For lo, I begin to bring evil on the city, which is called by my name, and should ye be utterly unpunished. Now God is is as though he's talking to the rest of the people of the world, since he's saying he's begun to bring evil on those called by his name, then it says, ye shall not be unpunished, for I will call for a sword upon all the inhabitants of the earth, saith Jehovah of hosts. Therefore, prophesy thou against them all these words. And, this is another verse indicating that God's people are to prophesy in the day of judgment, just as Jeremiah 50 verse 2 and Revelation 10 the last verse tells us we must prophesy again and just as the Lord sends in the sickle to reap he sends his people with the message of judgment to declare to whoever will listen in in the world because that will serve the double purpose of feeding sheep and publishing the Information that reveals Babylon's fall, that the judgment of God is on the world. Well, here again, prophesy thou against them all these words, and say unto them, Jehovah shall roar from on high, and utter his voice from his holy habitation. He shall mightily roar upon his habitation. He shall give a shout, as they that tread the grapes against all the inhabitants of the earth. So here we see God is picturing himself as one giving a shout as he treads the grapes and he says against all the inhabitants of the earth. And and that fits very well with what we're reading in Revelation 14 that it's the time of harvest for the world it's the time of reaping it's the time of the wrath of God where the Lord is punishing the unsaved and and he's doing this spiritually but he is doing it uh, in a very uh, real way the unsaved are under the wrath of God and these things are to be declared and the trotting of the winepress is against all the inhabitants of the earth it's not just the people in the church the unsaved there it is all of the unsaved people in all the world and, and when we read that language the inhabitants of the earth God has in view the final judgment of mankind remember uh, in the transition verse and this goes uh hand in hand with Jeremiah 25:30 in Revelation 8:13 the last verse of the chapter chapter 8 of Revelation in which God was describing judgment on the third part or judgment on the church and now the transition verse Revelation 8:13 and I beheld and heard an angel flying through the midst of heaven saying with a loud voice, Woe, woe, woe to the inhabitants of the earth by reason of the other voices of the trumpet of the three angels which are yet to sound. Then Revelation 9 begins the woes, the final three trumpet sounds against the inhabitants of the earth. It, it is um, the time of harvest the time to tread them underfoot, to crush the life out of them. And that's what is in view in, in this last verse of Revelation chapter 14. Now, let's also look at the idea that's um, given here that this is happening without the city. Let me read Revelation 14.20 again, the first part. And the winepress was trodden, Without the city, and blood came out of the winepress, even unto the horse horse bridles. So the location of the winepress is not in the city. Remember when we were reading about the vineyard, and God said that uh, there was a winepress built into the vineyard? Well, he used a winepress, or that figure, to tread underfoot Jerusalem, or the holy city, and the city itself was trodden underfoot. But now, the language is, it's taking place without the city. And the first thing we're reminded of is what the scriptures tell us concerning the judgment of the Lord Jesus Christ. In Hebrews 13, it says in verse 11 and following, For the bodies of those beasts whose blood is brought into the sanctuary by the high priest for sin are burned without the camp. Wherefore, Jesus also, that he might sanctify the people with his own blood, suffered without the gate. Let us go forth therefore unto him without the camp bearing his reproach. Now that final verse is a reference that relates to coming out of the church on one hand, and may have some other spiritual application, but we can see in verses 11 and 12 of Hebrews 13, that Christ suffered without the gate, the bodies of the sacrificial animals were burned without the camp, and it's indicating that God's wrath is upon those without of those without the gate or without the camp God's wrath is abiding upon them it's a place of punishment because God punished the Lord when he was experiencing the wrath of God a second time and he uh, suffered it without the gate that's where he was crucified he wasn't paying for sin but it was a a legitimate punishment of God. That's why he was suffering in the Garden of Gethsemane in an agony and so forth because he was experiencing wrath. And that means that without the city is a place of wrath. Now in Revelation 22, I think we'll see what city is in view or which city. It says in Revelation 22... And and this is in the context of that statement where the Lord says, He that is unjust, let him be unjust still. And he which is filthy, let him be filthy still. He that is righteous, let him be righteous still. And he that is holy, let him be holy still. And And that verse has to do with our present time in which everyone's spiritual condition is fixed and established and will not change because God shut the door of heaven ending his salvation program after saving all the elect whose names were written in a Lamb's Book of Life. They are the righteous, they are the holy, that will remain righteous and holy. And all the rest, they are the filthy, they are the unjust, they are uh, the ones that have been Caught in their sins and, and now there is no remedy. There is no hope. No mercy remains in the day of judgment for anyone else. God could not because he has already predestinated the ones to be saved. He has applied their redemption to them. Each one has been redeemed and now there's simply no more. And, and that's why the Bible says in the day of judgment, the books are open. It's as though God opens up the book of life, the Lamb's book of life, and, and He's searching the names. It, uh, it's a very thorough and uh, accurate search of the Lamb's book of life, and God finds none of these within that book written down and elected to salvation. All the names recorded in the Lamb's book of life have been found. The lost sheep of the house of Israel have been discovered, have been brought into the fold, and therefore the search for the lost sheep has come to a close. There, there's no need to go into the world with the gospel, proclaiming the the word of God in order to find Sheep that are not part of the house of Israel, that are not part of spiritual Israel, part of that number that God uh, predestinated to receive salvation. And of course, God is the only one who knows who those people are. And, and, and God was the one who made sure each and every one of them heard the gospel and was saved before He finalized things and and shut the door of heaven. Well, in this context, we read in verse 14 of Revelation 22, Blessed are they that do his commandments, that they may have right to the tree of life, and may enter in through the gates into the city. Now, the only way someone can do his commandments and have right to the tree of life is if first they have been saved if God has given them a new heart and a new spirit with that uh, perfect desire to do the will of God and perfect ability to perform the doing of it from the heart and that's the nature of the one that God has saved there is a perfection a holiness a righteousness that is within their new heart and new spirit and it, it always does the will of God and desires to do the will of God. And, and so they do his commandments from the heart. Of course, uh, the rest do not. The, those that are not saved do not have that kind of heart. But their heart is desperately wicked, deceitful above all things gushing forth with all manner of iniquity. Well, here God says that, uh, basically, we can summarize verse 14, as those that I have saved, the elect that have had the blood of Christ applied to them with the hyssop of the word of God, and it has been uh, placed upon their souls and has cleansed them from all iniquity, these may enter in through the gates into the city, into Jerusalem above, that, that, that heavenly city where we have our citizenship and where we are residents in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. Remember the Bible says we are seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus even though that that statement is true and accurate, of someone saved the very moment that they're saved, even while their physical body remains on the earth. God views that individual, that that person who has now become saved, as an inhabitant of Jerusalem above, as a citizen of the kingdom of God, and as someone that has entered into the gates. Now, when we read this language of entering into the gates, it's the same language or teaching the identical thing as Matthew 25, when the bridegroom comes. And it says in verse 10, And while they went to buy, the bridegroom came, and they that were ready went in with him to the marriage, or the wedding, and the door was shut. And remember Isaiah 26 tells us, Come, my people, enter into thy chambers, and shut thy doors about thee. And and, and then God says he will go forth and punish the inhabitants of the earth, or punish the unsafe people of the world. And yet God's people are protected They're in the safe chambers of the Lord Jesus Christ during the wedding feast, which is the time of the wrath of God as the unsaved are being punished until the completion of the wedding feast, the completion of the destruction spiritually of all the unsaved people. And then God will literally destroy the world and its inhabitants and then create the new heaven and new earth. And the people of God that have been in the safe chamber will be taken up, given new resurrected bodies to match their souls, and they will then enter the city in a, in a different way, in a different sense. But according to the Bible, God's elect have already gone into the city, and then it says in verse 15, and this is how we can know that this has taken place now. It says in verse 15 of Revelation 22, For without our dogs and sorcerers and whoremongers and murderers and idolaters and whosoever loveth and maketh a lie. And this means people who is a sorcerer, but those that involve themselves in in magic or or whatever, who is a whoremonger but a person um, that lusts and, and involves themselves in fornication and adultery, who is a murderer but a man who kills another man, who is an idolater but a man who bows down to other gods, and who is it that loves and makes lies but men. These things apply to people. And it is people, unsaved people, people in their sin, that are outside the city. Yet, how can that be? Uh, What place is this in which they are found without? You see, in time past, and theologians past, and in church doctrine past, it would be taught, this is hell. This is the place called hell where they are. Well, these others, God's elector, in heaven. Yet we have learned there is no place called hell. Therefore, it must be upon the earth that these uh, liars and murderers and whoremongers and idolaters are living, existing somehow... Because they are without the city. And it is only during the time of Judgment Day. And it's only with the understanding we now have that Judgment Day is a prolonged period of time that is developing or unfolding upon the earth. And God's people are right there with them, Safe in the city spiritually, and without that city, though, are all these unsaved without the kingdom of God. Thanks for joining us for eBible Fellowship's Evening Bible Studies. You can hear these studies Monday through Friday over Pal Talk, Skype, E-Bible Fellowship's webcast audio, or over your phone.